I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and our guest today is Jason Twiddell. Jason has spent 13 years in greenhouse production with three different growers producing spring bedding and seasonal crops specializing in vegetative production and all aspects of managing greenhouse production. Now he's a territory manager with Ball Flora Plant and Selecta One, making him the perfect guy for this episode's topic. Executing your plan with priority and timeliness. But first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four recent news stories lining up to support one key industry topic. Plants are more than pretty, and nature has measurable health and economic benefits. We tend to know this, but we also tend not to promote these additional functions of the products we grow and sell. If we did, imagine how the value of our products would rise, and imagine the press we'd generate. In this edition of Connect Four, let's look at four ways plants impact lives. For each of these topics, there are many studies and programs to reference. I'm only choosing one for each. Feel free to dig further into each topic and you'll be amazed at what you find. And most importantly, Incorporate your findings, as well as these, into your marketing messages and on social media. It's our responsibility to shout these stories to the rafters. Check the show notes for additional resources, including a link to a series of free, downloadable bench cards produced by Ball Seed and American Bloom to promote the additional benefits of plants. First, health and wellness. Did you know in the late 1980s, NASA and our own industry trade groups studied houseplants as a way to purify the air in space facilities? Findings included scientific proof that many plants filter out common volatile organic compounds. From this research, we also learned plants help clean indoor air in homes and offices, which is typically far more polluted than outdoor air. Plants remove harmful pollutants such as formaldehyde, benzene, trichloroethylene, and carbon monoxide, which are common byproducts of natural gas stoves, carpet glues, flooring glues, caulks, sealants, paints, furniture finishes, and the water, fire, and stain repellents applied to upholstery and clothing. For some recent articles, lists of air-purifying plants, and a cool infographic from NASA, check the show notes. Next, habitats and environments. Our industry has been handed an opportunity, an opportunity complete with tons of PR, dollars already invested, and national support. The Million Pollinator Garden Challenge. Launched in 2016, This is a campaign to register a million public and private gardens and landscapes to support pollinators. The objective is to increase nectar and pollen providing landscapes of every size in order to address one of the significant threats to pollinator health, the degradation of forage for pollinators. The goal is to promote and count one million such forage locations across the United States. Anyone and everyone can participate and professional growers and garden center retailers should be on the front lines. Not only does this campaign positively impact local environments, it promotes plant consumption, benefiting us all. Group your pollinator plants so that they're easy to find, whether you're selling wholesale or retail. All you have to do is Google pollinator plants in your city or state to find lists to work from. It's an easy way to support a fantastic cause. I'll put links to the program and garden registration pages in the show notes. Also, reduced crime and violence. Following recent research conducted in multiple cities over the past five to ten years, new data is being published proving that green spaces and urban nature reduces crime, both property crime and even violent crime. It shows that when we take care of our trees, shrubs, lawns, and lots, it makes a difference in the safety of surrounding areas. According to recent articles, 
The field of research is still young, but studies have found significant association between green space maintenance and certain types of crime in Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Youngstown, Ohio, to name a few cities being studied. For example, in Youngstown, the city was tired of vacant, overgrown lots attracting crime, so they hired a contractor to clean them up, mow, and remove garbage. They allowed the local communities to add to the lots, things like monuments, fruit trees, and flower gardens. What did they find? Property crime went down in the lots that were simply cleaned up by the contractor, and property and violent crime went down significantly in the lots with community involvement. Read more stories like this in the show notes, and think of ways you can support efforts in your local and surrounding communities to do similar amazing things. And the fourth chip in our game of Connect Four, economics and home values. I've heard industry economics guru Charlie Hall at Texas A&M say many times that a landscape is the only home improvement project that pays back one-to-one when it's time to sell. Not a renovated bathroom, not a man cave, and not a new kitchen. Realtors will tell you that professional design is the most valuable investment, followed by larger mature plants, and finally, wide plant diversity when it comes to street appeal. And university research found a well-landscaped home had a significant price advantage over a home with no landscaping. That advantage was measurable, ranging from 5 to 13%. That translates into an extra $16,000 to $38,000 in value on a $300,000 home. I'll take that exchange for an activity that's also healthy and therapeutic. And now, let's talk about executing your plan with priority and timeliness. It's my pleasure to welcome Jason Twiddell to STEM. After graduating from Kansas State University with a degree in horticulture, Jason spent 13 years in greenhouse production with three different growers. He worked exclusively in production of spring bedding and seasonal crops with a focus on vegetative propagation and all aspects of managing production scenarios. Since 2013, Jason has been a territory manager with Ball Flora Plant and Selecta One covering the Northeast and Great Lakes regions where he focuses primarily on sales, but also spends plenty of time on technical and cultural issues with greenhouses of all sizes and specialties. It's critical to start your greenhouse season with a plan in mind. Maybe that's a retail ship date. Maybe it's your own promotional or advertising calendar that requires specific programs on the bench at a certain time. Or it could be an important landscape customer who needs to hit a planting date at a major resort. Whatever the case may be, Starting your production with the end goal in mind will keep you on track from the word go. You're only as good as the execution of your plan. Jason's here to talk in detail about everything you need to consider from planning to shipping the crop so you can make those critical dates. Jason, welcome to STEM. Thanks, Bill. So first things first, spring training just started, and I think the audience should probably know we're both diehard baseball fans. So are your Royals in a rebuilding mode, or are they going to challenge the Indians this season? Uh, yeah, we're definitely not going to be challenging the Indians this year. Uh, as you know, Bill, we, we won the World Series in 2015, and uh, since then we've kind of been sliding down the other side of the mountain, and I think this year we'll probably land in the cellar. So you don't have to worry about us for a few years, but uh, hopefully the Indians can find a way to get uh, get on top this year. Great, and thanks for slipping in that. We won the World Series. I felt that. Yeah, well, it's been a few years, hasn't it, (laughs) for the Indians? It's been a long time. (laughs) Anyways, let's get down to business. The topic for this episode of STEM is about executing your plan with priority and timeliness. So why is this topic relevant to all greenhouse growers? 
We've, we've talked about how tight margins are these days, making the execution so critical to optimizing profitability. I got to imagine this is top of mind with most growers these days, right? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, most growers work really hard on putting together a strong uh, production plan every year. And, you know, I think really you, your entire production plan, you can kind of break it into two pieces. It's the, the planning phase, which we know growers put a lot of time and energy into, but then it's the execution phase as well. And uh, so much of that execution comes down to, in my opinion, timeliness um, and uh, prioritization and just getting the right stuff done at the right time. Um, but, you know, let me kind of go back to the planning phase real quick. Uh, you know, everybody builds a, a production plan, um, and most guys have been building a production plan year after year, right? So it's been evolving, and they've they've tweaked their production times, and they've taken crops out and added different crops, and they've really been working to evolve this plan into into you know the best laid plan going in for the season. Um, but that planning phase, you know, even though you put that production plan together and it's the nuts and bolts or the bones of of your your inventory and the production you build you know there's day-to-day planning that has to happen uh, as per a greenhouse manager and sometimes it's you know not even day by day it's hour by hour what am i you know what are my crews going to be doing what's my priority so so making sure that planning part uh is is in really good shape is very important but then and it comes down to executing the plan right so um i used to talk to my growers and, and i talked to a lot of customers and growers now about about timeliness, about making sure that we're doing the right things at the right time, um, because we know if we wait a little bit too long on certain things, then, then bad things can happen. Um, and another thing that I think is huge on all growers' minds now, I know it is because it gets brought up constantly, is labor. And uh, everybody around North America is dealing with labor issues, whether it's getting enough labor um, or if it's getting the right kind of labor, labor that's got the right you know skill set. Um, but labor is a big issue. And, it, and it, to me, that makes the planning uh, phase of things even that much more important, knowing that you're, there's a chance you're going to be a little bit shorthanded, making sure you're setting up um, your plan and executing uh, based on those labor uh, challenges that you think you're going to have. And, and so I see a lot of growers putting a lot of uh, time and emphasis on, um, on the labor that they are going to bring in and on training them and getting them up to speed quickly. And I think that's extremely important uh, labor you know, you're only as good as the folks you have on the ground executing your plan. And, and if you put a lot of time and emphasis in uh, uh, giving clear expectations and training your, your, your labor crew up quickly and, um, you know, basically just getting them ready to be productive members of the team, you know, not long after they start punching in for you for the first time. I think that's, that's a very, very important thing for growers, uh, you know, to, in terms of just profitability of their season. There it is, that labor theme, it keeps coming up. So I have to believe the planning you talk about it, and you mentioned how growers have, have built their plan, how they've evolved their plan over the years. I have to believe that that starts with propagation and liner stages. So can you get us off to a good start in production? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to talk about vegetative annuals, right? So I'm, I'm work with ball floor plant and select a one, and we're a vegetative uh, breeder supplier. And so as I'm talking about planning and executing, uh, I'm going to talk some about that. But, you know, overall, these these topics, you know, they work for all crops. But um, specifically for the vegetative annuals, you know, again, you're going to kind of break it into two pieces. If you want to get off to a good start, you have to build a really good liner uh, right out of the gate. And you want to plan for that, and then you want to make sure you execute that plan. So <clears throat> planning for the cuttings coming in, you know, make sure you've got enough labor. Make sure you're um, 
prioritizing uh, what you're going to stick for the week. So you know you've got cuttings coming in. Let's say you've got 100,000 cuttings coming in uh, this week. What are you going to stick first? What are you going to stick second? I mean, it's very important that that as growers we prioritize um, the items coming in because something like a geranium uh, or lantana or a purslane, items that don't necessarily ship well, those are the ones that you have to stick first as a grower. Uh, so prioritizing that, <clears throat> the items coming in, that's very important. And then if you do have uh, you know a bunch of under cuttings coming in for the week, you got to know how you're going to store those cuttings that you can't get stuck on that first day because oftentimes it's just too much material um, for you to actually handle all in one day. So what are you going to do with those cuttings that you can't stick? You're going to have to store them well, and I, that's that's a very important part of it. Um, is putting these cuttings in a in a controlled area where you've got the right temperature, right humidity, opened up the boxes, you've allowed them to start to uh, exchange um, air a little bit, got the ethylene out of the box. That's all very important stuff. So, so you're starting to execute, um, you know, this plan of these cuttings coming in, and then, you know, really, I like to talk to growers about. Um, Basically, you know, when you're producing this product and you're putting your production plan into into practice, these are just manufacturing uh, processes that you're doing. We're we're manufacturing firms, and uh, all the little details count uh, when you're manufacturing uh, a liner tray. So, you know, starts with filling the tray well. You know, manufacture a good tray right out of the gate. You know, put some emphasis on your dibble. I don't think growers put enough emphasis on. Uh, dibbling the tray well so that you, you you know your cuttings get off to a good start soil moisture um you know after you've stuck those cuttings and you get them into the prop house really really important aspect of that is the first couple of days uh rehydration is huge so we see this a lot um with growers these cuttings have been stressed on the way in they're a little bit tired a little bit tur- uh a little bit uh they're not as turgid as you'd like them to be when you stick them a little bit uh uh, wilty so you have to get that rehydration established in the first couple of days and then once you do get your cuttings uh, to the point where they're starting to root they're no longer unrooted cuttings they're actually uh, starting to throw roots out then as a grower you have to start thinking about how do i change my environment how do i take this this rooted cutting and turn it into a, a, a really good quality rooted liner that i'm going to put into my finished container because again you're only as good as the as the product that you start with so you know unrooted customers you know, their expectation is a nice quality unrooted cutting coming in the door. They're only as good as that product that they bring in. Um, same thing with, you know, when once you start to produce these rooted liners, your finished production is only going to be as good as that that rooted liner that you produce, that you uh, that you propagate. So, um, yeah, so we want to be thinking about how are we going to execute with the, with the idea in mind that we're going to have the best product going into our uh, finished container. Makes a lot of sense. A good start means a good liner to begin with. So I think now that we have a little bit better understanding of the early stages of propagation, or I liked how you called it, that state, the starting that manufacturing process, can you talk a little bit about timing as it relates to transplanting and pinching and how these important stages and others can help growers either get ahead of the game or stay on the good schedule you talk about? Yeah, and uh, so... Timeliness and, and uh, prioritization. These, you know, I'm going to continue to bring these up. I think as we talk today, but um, that's really the key in, in sticking to your plan and making sure that you're ready on time. Because uh, you know, as growers, we're all trying to produce this inventory that needs to be ready for for a certain weeks in, in April and May or March, April, May, or you know, 
based on where you are in the country, different regions have different seasons. But uh, at the end of the day, you have to hit that target window to make sure your product's ready for your customers when they want it. And so if you're not doing things in a timely fashion, if you're not executing these manufacturing processes when you're supposed to, that can very much impact your timing and thus impact your ability to put good inventory out there. So a lot of times uh, the things that I, I talk the most about in, in liner production in terms of staying on schedule is is making sure your pinch is on time and making sure you're, you're transplanting on time. So as far as the pinch goes, uh, a lot of the crops we produce don't need a pinch, but quite a few of them uh, on the vegetative side do. So things like uh, verbena, calabrocoa, fuchsia, lantana, a lot of these crops – uh, will produce a better uh, finished container if you put a good pinch on them uh, to get the branches out. So pinching is extremely important that you do it on time. You do it at the right um, the right height. Um, you you know you leave the right number of leaves behind so that you get the right number of breaks. Um, and then the third thing I think that you really need to think about in in terms of your pinch is sanitation. As you're doing these production processes, we all have to think about how sanitation plays in a role in uh, in our crop production and in in minimizing the risk um, within our facility. So the pinch is huge. If you pinch too late, you'll slow down flowering. If you pinch too early, sometimes you're fighting uh, you know, too much plant material in that liner tray where, the, where you're at a high density and it can be a bit of a challenge. So you know, if you pinch between seven to 10 days before transplant, that's usually a pretty good spot to be for, uh, for a rooted liner. And then the second part of that uh, is transplanting. You know, this is a really key manufacturing process for growers and one that I don't think that we put enough emphasis on because, you know, lots of times you bring the, the liner trays or the plug trays to the to the production line and the production team just gets into it and then they've got the belt turned up fast and they're just planting as quick as they can. And, and you look down on the ground and there's all these plants that have been ripped out of the cells and, and they're laying on the floor. And, of course, if you, if you own the greenhouse, you look at that and you're like, whoa, that's money laying there on the floor. And so we have to as a – as a, an industry, I think, put more emphasis on these key manufacturing processes to try to, to minimize any shrink that, that might be created in there. Um, and a big part of, of minimizing that is making sure you plant on time. You're not planting too early when the cuttings are ready, and you're not planting too late. So if your liners are uh, ready, you know, if it's a five-week crop time from stick to transplant, and you're in that fourth week, and and, and they're ready to go, well, maybe you plant them a little bit early. But if, if it's if it's the time to transplant that and you're looking at the at the liner trays and they're just not rooted that well, well, don't take them to the production line because there's a good chance it's going to be a massacre. I mean, those folks will be in there grabbing plants and planting them as fast as they can. So so a bit of a contradiction when I say make sure you plant on time, but but don't plant if you're not ready, right? So you just need to, to evaluate those liners as, uh, as it's time to plant. But if you want to make sure that finished container is ready on time, I think it's really important that we uh, as growers keep – on our schedule, plant on time. And then the other thing, you know, to think about is, is, uh, your space, right? Do you have enough space to get all this stuff planted? And is it, do I need to hold a little bit of this stuff back, um, before I go uh, and start planting? You know, I think with, with the young plants now actively growing, you pinched them at the right, in the right place and at the right time, you transplanted them effectively, minimizing that shrink you talked about. The clock's ticking at this point, and I'm sure the deadline keeps popping up on your calendar app. It's got to be time to start thinking about spacing and PGRs to make sure the crop's growing to its full potential. So what are some of the more critical activities for growers and their teams at this stage? Right. So, you know, I think this podcast is going to drop around week 10. And for most growers, around that time, week 10, you're, you're 
transplanting like crazy. You're filling the facility up. There is a ton of stuff going on, and and your day comes down to prioritizing uh, what is the most important thing for me to get done. And and there's always a ton of things going on. You know, if you're a grower or manager, you've got a lot of balls in the air. Um, and just from a from a production or manufacturing process standpoint, um, some of the biggest things to me are, are uh, again back to pinching, right? So. Uh, we talked about pinching the liner, but a lot of times we're producing a larger container that needs an additional or a second pinch or trim. Again, if you don't do that on time, if the timeliness is not there, that's going to impact whether that crop's ready on time. Um, so if you need to hit, say, week 18 is your ship week because it's coming on to Mother's Day week and you want to make sure that that 12-inch calibrical hanging basket's ready, make sure you've pinched it with enough time to get it fully flowered out and ready to go. So, so timeliness, very important on the pinch side. But the other thing that I think is extremely important is spacing. Um, a lot of growers get into trouble where they've got, uh, uh, they put a, a crop down pot tight that they know they're going to have to finish uh, spaced out to have a good quality crop. Um, and then they have to get back in and space that crop. Or maybe it's a hanging basket that they put on the ground and then they have to get that basket hung up. Um, if you don't do that on time, if you wait too long, if the crop grows together and uh, you end up with, you know, this this crop that starts to stretch and disease pressures going up, and you know, there's lots of bad things that can happen when you space too late. Um, I think that's it's really important that from a timeliness standpoint that those two things get done um, get done appropriately. And one thing I want to mention, um, I'm starting to see growers who are actually not filling their facility up. A hundred percent, or a hundred percent, or one hundred and ten percent. You know, I think we've all been guilty of of trying to squeeze too much production into our facility before. And I'm starting to see growers who are only filling the facility up, you know, ninety ninety five percent, let's say, and and that might have an impact on your top end revenue, but it also can impact your quality in terms of keeping it up. You know, growers that aren't filling the place up all the way are actually able to make sure they got room to space everything on time. And some of these guys are actually going right to finish spacing uh, right out of the gate, right at transplant. That way they don't have to come back in and touch it a second time. Um, and it just allows them to have more flexibility. Um, you know, I'm starting to, to see guys who, whose philosophy is a little bit of uh, less is more. I can be more profitable in this organization if I don't put as much stuff into my facility. Makes a lot of sense following those timelines, especially with spacing and pinching the crops that need it. Um, so at this point, I think the crop's probably getting close, you know, it's in production, it's getting close to being ready for its final destination, either in your own store, at your retail customer, in the hands of that landscape crew. Can you recap and run through some of the most crucial steps to prioritize throughout the season, just so our listeners can tweak their notes? I mean, you talked about the evolution of, of production from year to year and how, you know, you go back and, and look at what happened the year before, you know, try to figure out how to improve each year just so that so that nobody forgets any critical stage stages. And you also mentioned, I think, something super important, I think, to maximizing the profitability, and that is reducing shrink and improving yields. So can you elaborate on that point and maybe go back through some of the really important steps or anything that uh, you might want to touch on a little bit more in depth? Yeah, so... I'll start by saying, you know, if, if we're in this position where our crop's ready to go and we're shipping it out to to the retail, whether that's your own retail outlet or your, you know, your your wholesale customer that you're sending it to, um, I think there's a couple. There's two things that I think are really important that I think growers should should think a little bit more about because I don't think we do a good enough job of it overall. And the first part of that is toning the crop up before it goes to the store. 
you know, as we're loading these carts up, a lot of these crops have been grown in, in greenhouses where it's been warm. Crops are a little bit on the soft side. Um, and then they're not quite ready for that retail environment. So, you know, you imagine a crop that's been grown in a warm greenhouse. It goes to goes to a retail uh, bench space. It's outside now. It's The wind's blowing on it. The nights are cold. It's getting rained on. You know, all these things can lead to uh, to shrink at the store level, right? So you're only you're only as good as is that that crop that rings the register, right? It's really important that you sell all the way through to the retail side. So, um, so I think we need to put a little bit more emphasis on toning that crop up. We talk about toning on the liner side, where we bring in uh, uh, an unrooted cutting, we grow a nice liner, but then we need to tone it before we transplant it, so that it's ready to go through that shock and that stress of transplanting. I think there's there's the same thing we need to consider and think about um, before we ship crops. Um, so so toning that crop up, you know, we know that the very best quality is, is stuff grown outside. So I know a lot of growers that'll utilize their mum field and put a, a batch of 12-inch hanging baskets, let's say, outside on drip tape. And they'll, the stuff will be the best quality stuff uh, that they grow all year because it's just been toned and tough and it looks really, really good gets the full light levels and the cool nights and all that. Now there's risk that comes with that. But again, that's the stuff that looks the best and holds up the best to retail because it's been toned. Um, the other part I think that's really important before you ship stuff out is moisture management, um, making sure that that crop's moist going out the door, but not totally soaking wet either. So we, I see a lot of growers and uh, I've used these, these, uh, before, uh, in my experience, um, a lot of growers have watering tunnels, right? So they load the carts up, they roll them through a watering tunnel before they roll them onto a cart or uh, onto a truck. And then your, your product on these carts is just soaking wet. The flowers are soaked, the top, uh, the foliage is all soaked. If you can get your, your soil moist without, uh, totally soaking the rest of that, um, rest of that plant, um, before you pack it on a truck, I think that's a, a, a big, part of, of the product arriving in good shape to retail. Um, so I think there's a couple opportunities right there just to, to reduce some shrink, um, which is what you'd, one of the things you'd asked about. And I, and I, uh, I think that every single step in pr- production is, you know, some of the things we've talked about, every single step in production is an opportunity to create shrink or as a grower and a manager to, to reduce that. Right. So think about, when those cuttings come in, receiving and, and prioritizing and storing those cuttings, if we do a bad job there, we can create a little bit of shrink right out of the gate before we even stuck our cuttings. They started to stress out. Maybe they wilted too much because we put them in the wrong place uh, before we even stuck them. You know, And then the next step in the process is sticking and, and, uh, and growing on that liner. You know, a lot of shrink can happen. Just Even just a few percentage points can happen um, in that liner production. So every single phase um, along the way is an opportunity to, to reduce shrink and, and maximize your profitability. And, you know, again, come back to timeliness of your processes and prioritizing, you know, you pinch on time, you plant on time, you space on time, you hang your baskets on time. You know, we've been talking about manufacturing processes, but, you know, we're not even talking about the culture side of things. I mean, you know, as growers, we have to water on time. We have to growth regulate uh, at the right time with the right rate. You know, prioritizing all of these things is, is huge to put a good crop uh, in front of your customer and and maximize that profitability for the season. It's pretty crazy to think about all the opportunities for to, to reduce or increase strength throughout the chain. And I, I think, you know, you made such a good point about toning the crop, 
watering before shipping, getting them ready for the retail to reduce the shrink at the store level. I mean, I think that it, it's, it's just so critical to think about each step in the process. So, so what else do you want to share with the listeners? Are there any common mistakes you've seen in all of your greenhouse visits from year to year, things you see repeated or innovative new tips or tricks you've seen in action recently? Anything else you want to share with the listeners? Uh, well, there's a lot of, a lot of things we've already touched on. Um, I think one of the biggest things is, is labor. You know, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Um, emphasizing your labor, especially the training side is hugely important because I think we're going to continue to struggle to, to get enough people and to get people with the right skills. Um, and so if we can build a very robust, uh, training program so that when your people come in the door, you can get them up to speed quickly. They can have, you know, some good uh, satisfaction in the job they're doing. They can enjoy uh, being successful in the job. Nobody likes to, to come in and, and immediately fail at what they're doing. You know, a lot of the stuff we do in the greenhouse is relatively mundane tasks. So you got to find ways to, to make it enjoyable, make it interesting, um, and keep your people engaged and, and um, uh, you know, make them the most effective employees possible because – this problem's not going away, and we can we can automate a lot of processes, but we're still going to need people. Um, so I really think that's one of the biggest things to think about is emphasizing labor, and especially the training and leadership side, um, and the culture, you know, within your company and within your facility. Um, and the other thing is just prioritizing uh, the tasks that you know need to get done, and getting them done on time. Um, without that, you know, you're you're really you know, your plan looks great on paper, but if you're not executing uh, through prioritization and timeliness, it's it's really going to fall apart on you at the end of the day. And, um, you know, we need to get really good product out to the market so that our consumers and our customers are successful with this product, and then they'll come back next year and, and, and buy more of it. And, uh, you know, we get there by by executing a really good production plan and putting really quality stuff in front of our uh, in front of our customers. Wow. Thanks so much, Jason. Before we put this episode to bed, can you let the listeners know the best way to get in contact with you to discuss any specific challenges they're facing or help planning to meet the deadlines? And also feel free to share where they can find digital resources from Ball Floor Plan or Selecta, because I know you guys produce all sorts of informational and training videos for growers of all sizes. And, and I know that you were in a, a start in a video series called Building a Better Liner. So where can, where can listeners... Uh, get in contact with you and how can they find some of those resources? Yeah. So the best way to get in contact with me is, is probably email. Uh, my email is, is J T W A D D E L L at ballhort.com. Um, I know, uh, I think that's probably the most effective way. It's a great way to share information, send pictures, things like that. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to get back to you on anything related to technical, uh, issues, or I can put you in touch with the right person based on, uh, the challenges that you might have. So that's the best way to get in touch with me. Um, you mentioned cultural resources, technical resources that we have ball floor plan and select one both have websites. Um, and we have cultural information on every crop in those websites, um, and in addition to that, uh, on the ball floor plant side, we have uh, not only um, do we have those cultural sheets on each crop, but we've got some pretty cool PowerPoints that um, our product development team did uh, last year uh, where they really went in depth um, on some uh, some cultural information on on some of our key crops and some of our new newest uh, introductions. And we actually did these. Um, we did these PowerPoints. They're basically, you know, cultural trials. We did these trials at uh, both 
Arroyo Grande, which is our Central California uh, breeding station location. And we also did them in West Chicago at the Ball Floor Plant Greenhouses there uh, at the Ball Headquarters. So what's nice about that is we've got a north and a, um, a south or a high light level and a lower light level um, uh, trial run so that growers in different parts of the country can actually uh, take this information that's most applicable to them and, and use it for, uh, you know, for cultural recommendations and, and just opportunities to help them kind of tweak their production and, and improve their quality. Um, and then another thing that we've got uh, on the Ball Floor Plant website is uh, BFP TV. You may have seen that as uh, growers. You may have seen the emails that come out. Um, Chris Carlson, who actually worked with me on the Build a Better Liner video that, that you mentioned, Bill, um, Chris Carlson does a lot of our BFP TV, um, video, uh, uh, episodes, and he does a great job of highlighting not only new products, but existing core products that we have. And, and usually puts in some really cool, um, cultural recommendations or information in there that can help growers be successful with the product. So, um, yeah, so there's BFP TV, there's, there's our PowerPoints that we put on our website, there's the culture notes. Um, and then, as you mentioned, we did put together a video series called build a better liner several years ago. It was a four part series about 10 minutes uh, per video, so about 40 total minutes. Um, and then there's also, I, I believe, a, a PDF uh, handout in the, um, on the website that, that you can also use. You can print it out. Uh, make sure your growers have that uh, out in the, in the greenhouse. It can use it as a technical document as well. Wow, those are awesome resources, Jason. So check out ballfloraplant.com where you'll find the videos and uh, some of the PowerPoints and technical resources Jason mentioned, and selectanorthamerica.com for resources related to that lineup of crops, including Mini Famous, Trixie, and Select the Poinsettias. I will put links to all of these resources in the show notes, so be sure to check the show notes, and you'll find links to, uh, to what Jason mentioned. So thank you so much, Jason, and to the STEM listeners, now is the time to execute your production plan and maximize your profitability. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com, B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T.com, or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ball Seed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And check out the show notes for links to even more content related to this episode, including links to the videos and PowerPoints Jason referenced. Let's end this episode with a quote from author Mel Odom that seems so applicable to greenhouse production at crunch time. It takes real planning to organize this kind of chaos.